Can't think of too many better starts to a new year than that one. Welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth. The gang is all back after, what, two weeks, something like that? But we are all here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Michael Felder will give us his preview of the College Football National championship game between Michigan and Washington. But first, let's discuss how we got here. And we'll begin with the Rose Bowl going to overtime. Michigan covering all the numbers, winning at 27 to 20. The game goes over the total of 45 because of that extra frame. Bama was up seven with just three minutes to go. But Michigan, with the wherewithal and the physicality that they showed all game long, they were able to knock off the big bad Crimson Tide, and it's the Wolverines advancing, Joe. Yeah, um, I think we've got to give some love to the committee, right? I, people don't want to. It's not a popular thing. But after sitting through all the garbage football that we did, we got to yesterday and we had two awesome games. Like, it was hard to stay up for some of us, but um, it, that game made you stay up the late game. And then Alabama-Michigan, that did not disappoint. That was like the headliner that everybody was looking forward to for so long. And then it goes to overtime. Like, the line was was dead on and just uh, an awesome game. I mean, what a great Rose Bowl it ends up being. And the last year of a 14 playoff, they got what they wanted. They didn't want all these blowouts. And in both games, it, it was terrific. I mean, as far as the Michigan side, it, it, that touchdown in overtime, really a microcosm of what was going on all season with that team. Like Blake Corum, like dragging them along no matter how J.J. McCarthy was doing when he would have four games against tougher competition, like he would he would make sure that he was going to gr- grab the team uh, to victory, and that's exactly what he did. And, you know, I had my questions about McCarthy in a big spot in a tougher matchup. And, you know, in the end, he did fantastic leading the team on a drive. Could they play from behind? They did. They end up tying the game with 134 left, and we know what happened in overtime. Um but it's funny how, you know, a little, little change here, a little change there changes the narrative. Like, what if that is an interception seconds into the game? How does that change things uh, on the Bama side if the heel is not uh, touching out of bounds? Uh, but good job on Michigan. I'm looking forward to them uh, playing the championship game. The narrative is no longer that Harbaugh can't win a big game. It's not three straight semifinal losses. And we're probably going to spend – Way too much time over the next week talking about special teams because that almost did the Wolverines alone yesterday. Yeah, the special teams were definitely an issue with the missed field goal. Um, They couldn't take advantage of that Milrow fumble. So there was a lot going on there. And I also thought to start that game, maybe both teams a little nervous, maybe too much time in between, you know, that maybe they came out just – that was part of it. Some mental miscues. Not really sure, but totally understandable. If you are nervous, in that, I probably would be too. <laughs> but I'm with you. Phenomenal game. Like, I was like, wow. I don't know how I'm going to stay up for this, but I also am going to have FOMO if I go to bed. All four teams, I thought, pretty evenly matched. Like, we just got some really good football. Um, at the end, I'm like, okay, can J.J. McCarthy and this Michigan offense do something here? And sure enough, they did. As someone who had Alabama money line and Huskies Alabama exact uh, matchup, little bummed, but mm. such a good game. You can't even really be mad at it. 
Well, and Aaron, when we're talking about Alabama, what what's the big thing that we're always talking about with them? That they recruit really well, that they're really physical, and they just dominate every which way. It's all the little things, Joe, that you're talking about that Alabama always does, game after game, season after season. That's why it made sense to back them, just because they have the history, they've shown the history that they can win games like these, these high-leverage situations, when Michigan hasn't shown us this, at least at the playoff level. They've They've shown it to us in the Big Ten, and I think it's some non-conference games they have, but we're like, Michigan's not battle-tested. Once they get outside of the conference and they play, you know, legit SEC competition, they just can't show up. Well, they did, and it was close. It was a nail-biter, but somehow Michigan was able to pull through. And as far as those little things, like, it's really weird to see Alabama dominated physically. Like, we just don't see that. That's just not something that happens. That was insane to me. Also, too, the fact that Bama center Seth McLaughlin just could not snap the football in shotgun situations. That was incredible to me. I mean, those little things that Alabama always does correctly every single time just wasn't there. And then we saw that on that fourth and goal play where Jalen Milrow basically had to abort the play. Uh, I think it was some sort of an RPO there where maybe you're throwing a swing pass to the running back out in the open, or maybe you're running it to the outside if you're Milrow. But because the snap was low, maybe it was a panic decision or he just had Mm -hmm. to abort it and then just take off and then hope for the best. Whatever happened, like that was a microcosm for that Alabama performance where it was those little things that, yeah, the kicking game was there for them, but all those little things Mm -hmm. in terms of offensive execution, it wasn't there for them. It was there for Michigan. And it was just strange to see in a game like that at the Rose Bowl, but Michigan pulled it off and here we are, Joe. Yeah, another little thing that, you know, was certainly a talking point going in with Blake Corum's success is what he did without his right guard's ex-inter. I mean, the dude yeah. is phenomenal, a leader on that team, and they were still able to uh, to dominate in the run. Speaking of dominating in the run, I mean, Tommy Reese is going to get, you know, crushed down in Alabama. Is it justified? I don't know. What you could make the argument is he took too long to adjust. He did adjust in the second half with the run game, but it probably took a little bit too long. And then that that play call with Milrow, basically life on the line, and this is the decision. Some did not have an issue with it. Some put it more on Milrow, you know, and like you mentioned, the exchange was a problem all game long. Like Milrow's got to, got to find a way to get to the edge in that, in that position. But, um, yeah, uh, it's – it did not disappoint. I mean, e- even if you're on the Bama side, you're on the losing side as a short dog, you can't say the bet was wrong. We went to overtime, and th- now oh, we're in a coin flip yeah. situation, you know? So right. the over ends up hitting because we – I mean, how sharp are those numbers? You go to overtime, so it's like one and a half most of the time over the last month, uh, and, and then it's 45 and a half, and then it hits only because you have the extra session. That's the only reason – uh, that the over hits. So, and the over ends up hitting in, in both games, but super sharp numbers. That's what happens over a month when everybody's betting into these two specific games, man, uh, those numbers were tight, but uh, we already have a number on the championship game. And I, I can't wait to talk about that one over the next week. I know. I'm excited for that one, too. Watching that game, I thought Alabama had it. And then once we're going to overtime, I'm like, oh, no, this just feels like Michigan <laughs> yeah. is going to win it. I well, didn't know how, but I was like, give them time. It just feels like it's going to go their way. 
I mean, I, I had Bama. I, I got them um, yesterday. I waited, and that was actually the best number on Bama. It was plus two and a half, and it was interesting. The market was going in on Michigan. Like It seemed like sharper money was coming in on Michigan yesterday. They ended up victorious. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went two and one on the day. That was my one loss. It was but think about the, these uh, slimmest of margins. It was almost 3-0 and because if Harbaugh decides to go for two, I'm covering yes. that point spread. You know, I'm either Michigan converts yeah. and they, they take the lead and I'm covering there or they don't and they lose by one and I'm covering there. There you go. Before we get to uh, the championship game and our first look at that, let's get into the Sugar Bowl real quickly. And for those who did go to sleep early, first of all, you missed an insane ending there where Washington basically had the game wrapped up, up six. Uh, Texas, you know, attempted an onside kick, didn't recover that. Uh, But because of an injury to Dylan Johnson, it stopped the clock with 50 seconds left. And so Washington had to punt the ball away, and then they run into the Texas punt returner. So they start with good field position. And then Quinn Ewers uh, with a fantastic throw to Jordan Whittington for 41 yards. They eventually get into the red zone with 15 seconds left, and they have enough time for four shots at the end zone for Texas to potentially win the game. But they don't. Washington clamps down and wins it. But we could have seen the most epic collapse or the most epic comeback, whichever way you wanted to look at it, in a college football semifinal, Joe. Big Ten pride. Championship game. <laughs> An all-Big Ten title game we have set up. There it um, is. There yeah, it is. No, you're right about the collapse, though. I mean, mm-hmm. DeBoer, holy smokes. He made every wrong decision, and his players were certainly uh, part of that, at fault with what was going on in the last minute. But that's not what a lot of people are going to remember because they end up winning that game. They've got, I guess, this little magic on their side. Another one-possession win for Washington, even though they tried really hard to give that game away, um, deciding to run the ball. There's, We end up with the injury. We'll find out if he's going to be able to play Dylan Johnson in the title game. I would assume not the way that it, he was thriving in pain on the field last night. Um, you had the penalty on the punt return. The clock stops. Like, that's bad luck with the injury, but you could have, you know, done something else. Um, Like, yeah, there was – it was a mess. It was a mess for Washington. They gave Texas four shots from the 13. They had four shots. The Longhorns couldn't ask for anything more. Um, But it was all about Michael Penix and the 430. Dude's awesome. And that's why we talk about uh, all the great receivers that the Huskies have as well uh it's it's gonna it's gonna be i think a pretty good championship game and maybe this it feels like washington's been power rated poorly all along and i wonder if we're still here going into the championship game it was way off on oregon it was off yesterday and and now they're getting more than a field goal i'm very curious where this number ends up driving I'm with you. And we're going to have Michael Felder on later in the show, but he's been talking about how the Huskies are a very well-built team all season long. And I think they're getting disrespected again. Now I am from Seattle and the East coast bias does make me want to vomit. So let us shine. You know, the PAC 12 is going away. This is our time. West coast bias. What's up. I do think the Huskies have been disrespected and you know, I I'm intrigued to see, I'm interested to see rather how this 
spread could move. Like, are we going to see Huskies money come in or will they continue to be disrespected? Uh, but I will say allowing viewers and those receivers to come alive when they were down 34, 21, that does yeah. make me nervous. Like you cannot have that happen against Michigan because that was unacceptable. They tried to give that game away. Uh, but in the end, I mean, Penix, you mentioned it, the 430, 31 on the ground, couple of TDs, those receivers just so good. Um, so it'll be really cool to see what's going to happen against this awesome Michigan defense and this powerful Huskies offense. Well, when we look at the overnight, it opened up as Michigan minus four, and it then moved to minus four and a half. And so already the respect seems to be on the Wolverines for this title game, which I think makes mm -hmm. a whole lot of sense. If you're looking at, say, the physicality dimension of football, Michigan certainly has it, and I don't know if Washington has proven it just yet. But in terms of what I'm looking for and the biggest concerns I have for this game in terms of my first look at it, it's going to be about pass protection. Like, okay, J.G. McCarthy had a great game. He was able to show his medal in the Rose Bowl. Can he do it again? He will need to do it again. At least I think we can mm -hmm. all admit that this isn't going to be last year's Georgia TCU game. This is going to be exciting in some way, I have to believe. But can J.J. McCarthy get that necessary pass protection? It's one of the reasons why they've been running the ball so much all season long. But can they get that against Washington? If they can't, then I think Michael Penix has a chance here, Joe. Uh, yeah, it, it, the total set at 55 and a half. Very interesting a number that we get there because it's kind of like splitting the difference between what we had in the big the games yesterday. Uh, it was mid-40s for Alabama-Michigan. It ended up being low 60s. It came down a little bit. Um, but the over never really seemed to be in doubt as far as Texas-Washington. So you're kind of playing it in the middle because you have teams with opposite styles. And so now you're going to also mm -hmm. have a softer matchup for McCarthy. And is he going to be able to succeed there? Is it going to be like what we saw yesterday where he ended up having three touchdown passes, continue not to turn the ball over just like all season? There, there might be an element of him keeping up with Penix, right? I know it's a very mm -hmm. difficult matchup for Penix, but there is going to be that element. So um, it's, it's a terrific matchup. Like you could make all sorts of, sorts of arguments and it, man, it would, it, the, the the ways this thing can go, like a high-scoring affair, wouldn't shock me all that much. I agree. No. Penix didn't seem bothered by the pass rush. I think this should be closer to a field goal, but maybe I'm just biased with the Huskies. <laughs> West Coast, let's go. This is Becky All Daily presented go. by BetMGM. Coming up next, it's Futures Day. How'd you get to say West Coast before me, Aaron? Our best bets for which <laughs> NFL team will win the Super Bowl and their conference right here on the Becky All Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back, to, welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come on the program, we're going to talk about the individual awards market. We'll also go off the board. But for now, let's get into Super Bowl and conference futures here on Futures Day on the program. And when you look at, say, the Super Bowl odds, we've got the 49ers leading the way at plus 210 in large part because they are now sizable favorites to win the NFC at minus 125. Of course, they've wrapped up getting the top seed. 
home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. And of course, that first game by, which is huge. Ravens have the second shortest odds to win the Super Bowl, plus 350 for BetMGM. Then you've got the Bills and Cowboys at eight to one. Joe, what stands out here to you? Joe? Come on, Joe. <laughs> Joe I think we lost Joe there anyway. for a second. Yeah, we lost Joe. Well, Aaron, we'll start with you then. Uh, what stands out to you on top of the board? Uh, I mean, I'm already invested in a few places uh, with the Bills, with the Ravens, but I do have a confession, and it's more of a a numbers play. I got some good value. You, you and me actually are your last confession, about- Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, so we were arguing last week how C.J. Stroud would come back um, after being in concussion protocol, and he looked really good. So I just took a little flyer on Texans Super Bowl at seventy to one over the weekend. Did you really? I was like seventy to one. That's some pretty good value. Like, why not? But I already have Bills and Ravens as well. I think I might have Browns too. So I have like way too many Super Bowl <laughs> bets, but. Um, in terms of the AFC, I think it could be at come playoff time. Who knows? Right. In the AFC. I'm with you there. Like, I think the NFC, like, I really do believe it's probably going to be the 49ers or the Cowboys. And then I understand why the 49ers are such sizable favorites, because the Cowboys have really struggled against them, both in terms of playoff history and the last meeting this regular season. And what has really changed for both teams since then? To me, not a whole lot. Like, I mean, yeah, you've got a couple mm-hmm. of injuries here and there, but for the most part, Dak's still there. Brock Purdy's still there. Christian McCaffrey is still there. So, you know, assuming they meet in the NFC Championship game, that feels fairly straightforward unless there's some sort of, you know, weird matchup. But in the AFC, that's the thing, is that, like, it was only two years ago when it was the Cincinnati Bengals getting all the way to the end. And I would argue at that time – it was a really random team advancing that far. Like, we didn't know what Joe Burrow was capable of. We knew he was a number one overall draft pick, but he doesn't have a good offensive line. He's got young receivers. You know, you've got this young head coach. You don't know how all of this is supposed to come together. And just somehow they kept winning game after game after game to get to that point. So I do think if you are going to bet into, say, the AFC side at the very least – Maybe taking a couple of long shots isn't the worst idea. And you mentioned the Houston Texans, and that number is even longer now than when you got it at BetMGM. But I think that makes a ton of sense here. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of being young, could the Texans be um, the Bengals, you know, from a couple years ago? I think yes, you know, and why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I should hit it again since there is a better number. But, you know, while I was watching C.J. Stroud, I'm like, you know what? Looking at this 70 to one, I'm just going to pull the trigger because why not? It's a fun (laughs) team and they've got a couple players on both sides of the ball up for some awards. So obviously very young, a lot of luck would have to go their way. And that's why you are getting such a long number, but you know, why not? Well, Joe, let me ask you then, uh, do you agree with the thesis that, okay, on the NFC side, it seems fairly top heavy, but on the AFC side, even though the Baltimore Ravens are the favorites and they've locked up the one seed, it doesn't feel like they're nearly as dominant as say the 49ers are in the NFC. And maybe it would behoove you a little bit more to take a couple of long shots to win, say the AFC crown. Yeah. I would say on the NFC side that there are more teams that I want no part of. 
and it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the strength of the Niners. That is part of the equation. Of course it is. But I'm just even removing that, and I'm just looking at it. Like, let's say you put some of these other teams, two through seven, that we expect to be there in the NFC over to the AFC side. I also would not be buying into them. So, yeah, there is a uh, there is a larger gap. But, you know, I wouldn't – before the year, I thought it was a lot closer than, than it is at this moment. Now, it doesn't mean in 60 minutes that the Ravens can't completely botch a game and lose outright. I mean, it's football. Um, we're talking about one contest here. Uh, the the list of teams that I like to come out of the AFC that, that you can find value is shorter than at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I think that that that's fair. Then there are more more teams that could come out and it is tighter. And that's why, isn't that exactly why Baltimore's second favorite? I hear people say, how are the Ravens not the favorite to win the Super Bowl? Look at what they did against against San Francisco. Look at what Lamar's been doing. (laughs) They have the MVP. They have the great coaching staff. They have the balanced team, the great defense. Like this is why Mm -hmm. this is exactly why San Francisco's favorite because they have such an easier path. They are odds on. You have to lay a price for them in the NFC before we have the field set. So that tells you how dominant they've been and how much easier uh, their path is. Yeah, certainly, I, I think you could make an argument on a couple of teams where you could see them coming out of the AFC. It's tougher to do that in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe that's why I don't have any Super Bowl butts in the NFC and like four <laughs> in the AFC because it just feels like who sure. is going to come out of there, you know? And and then I've just passed on the NFC, so maybe that's why. Yeah, but, you well, know, I would also say that, like, you do have to take stands at some point, and, like, some mm-hmm. of the things that we say over the course of three hours every day is going to make us sound stupid. I mean, that's just part of this. But there are also some teams in the top four of the AFC right now that I want I don't want anything to do with. Like, I'm not putting any any futures money on Kansas City right now. I'm they're no. they're the two now. I'm not doing that with Miami. We'll see what happens on Sunday and where they end up being. Maybe they're not there. The AFC South winner. I have no interest in any of those teams <laughs> doing anything in in the playoffs. So um, th- there are some teams, a handful of them, that I would also scratch out. Mm-hmm. What, no, I, I think that's fair. And I think you... one of the reasons why when we're talking about, you know, the AFC side is if you're looking at, say, the Baltimore Ravens, for instance, and Joe, you made this point earlier, but I think it's worth sort of elaborating a little bit more. But it's this idea there where you go, OK, Lamar Jackson doesn't have the counting stats, but he's probably going to be MVP. That's fine. Why not use mm-hmm. that as information and take advantage of the fact that maybe Lamar Jackson is a little bit less efficient than how some are billing him? Like, that's OK. Look at this Ravens defense. Like, it's pretty good, but it's not the best in football. And it won't be the best defense in the AFC. So in that respect, I think it's way safer to take a couple of long shots on that side. Whereas in the NFC, you go, okay, 49ers, yes. Cowboys, I mean, they got the home field advantage, and we know how important that is for them. And then everyone else, you're like, meh, there are reasons why you don't necessarily trust them, whether they're going to be on the road, they're going to be out of you know, their, their confines or context, whatever it is. And that matters a great deal. But I think yeah. oftentimes when we're talking about say other awards and other narratives, and if you want to dispute something, I think it's more than okay to kind of use that as information when it comes to these team futures and go, you know what, 
Maybe the Ravens aren't that strong. Path does matter. Maybe the 49ers, you know, okay, some people are besmirching Brock Purdy, whatever. Well, the offense is really, really good. Know this. Bet on this. Make this actionable. Sure. I mean, look, there there are two teams that I've circled in the AFC playoff picture that should be discussed here for futures, whether we're talking about conference or Super Bowl. And you know where I stand on the Bills. Bills are still one of them. They're a favorite to go to Miami and win. They're favored by, I, I believe the number is still three, which means Correct. we're talking about them as the two. They are the most likely team to get the two seed. If they're the two, they're getting that home game week one. Um, the only place they have to go to win is Baltimore. Watch out, man. I mean, is there value now at this point? Like, I, I have enough futures, mm-hmm. but even at plus 950, is there value there for the Super Bowl? I think there is. The mm-hmm. other team, which is still a big number, a team that is scary, give me them that first wild card game going to the AFC South winner. Get, give me the Browns. Love the Browns. And they're still 35-1 to 1, uh, for the Super Bowl, 18-1 to 1, uh, for the AFC. I wish I would have uh, jumped on this earlier, but we also have a lot more intel on what Flacco is while we were trying to figure out, can this continue? Can this continue? Well, now we've got five games of it. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the segment, the Browns and the Bills. I mean, those are the two teams I trust the most. I really don't understand the Chiefs as the second uh, favorite coming out of the AFC. Like, I, isn't that wrong? I understand it. I just Why? don't agree with it. I mean, the Chiefs yeah, are favored by a touchdown I, every week. That I mean, that's what the market has them at. Like, Mahomes is viewed as so high. I don't buy into it. I've been fading them a lot this season, and it's worked. But people are like, okay, maybe now it's going to happen. Playoff time. The old Kelsey's going to show up. Mahomes is going to be there. And But, yeah, as much as teams – a team that can run the ball, like, no thank you. I think the only thing I disagree with you, though, is, Joe, is the Texans. I I took a flyer on them to win the Super Bowl over the weekend just because C.J. Stroud is playing so well. They're a young team. We saw a team like the Bengals do this a couple years ago and go to the Super Bowl. Obviously, everything, a lot of luck has got to be involved, maybe some (laughs) injuries to other teams. But at 85-1 to this morning, I don't hate taking a flyer on the Texans, especially the way C.J. Stroud came back from that concussion. Like, he's ready to go. Oh wow! I didn't see. I didn't have that takeaway. I was looking at it like, okay, he's working his way back. It was Tennessee, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, um, and I, I don't want to. I'm not going to go too far on that. Maybe they end up winning it. It's it's going to be tough. Um, I, I believe the Jaguars have a seventy percent chance. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. And chance of being that four, um, but. I get what you're saying. Like the upside is there. Like these other teams, if you're looking for upside, Colts, no. Steelers probably <laughs> not going to make it. If they do, they don't have the upside. Uh, so certainly understand. Where where are we on Miami? I mean, they're just getting skipped over. There's this assumption that they're going to barely be in the playoffs, and then once they're there, I'm. If you're hosting a game, I know they're not as good on the road. But if, if you're hosting and you get lined up with Miami, aren't you a little scared if they do get healthy? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely I am. No, I, I think Miami makes a ton of sense. I mean, they're what, plus 135 to win that game outright? If you think Miami can beat Buffalo, then I would take them right. to win the AFC right now at plus 650. Mm. There's value in them hills. If you don't, though, then <laughs> you're sort of succumbing to whatever happens there, and then maybe the Dolphins, you know, get a longer number, but that path gets way, way tougher. I think probably the bigger question you might have is, okay, what are the matchups that are most advantageous for Miami en route to get to Baltimore one more time? Like, I get mm-hmm. the Ravens absolutely shellac them, but I almost feel like at the same time, if they did have one more meeting, that it would be a good bit closer and way more exciting than what we saw. I look at this and go... If you think that Miami can win this game outright, bet on them to win the AFC right now. Don't wait on that. In fact, you know, sprinkle a little on the money line and then hammer them when it comes to the futures market. Totally agree. I mean, I'm all in on the Bills, but they can easily win that home game this week. Easily. Mm -hmm. So, and then they're the two. And then that could change the entire conversation uh, with Miami. You know, as it shapes up, I'm not saying I'm buying them because I am selling a lot of teams in the NFC. But something we've talked about a lot, everybody's talked about, is Detroit. Once you get them on the road, once you get them outside. Well, let's look at it right now. They're, they're, ho- they're ho- going to host a game. Right now, it's a scary matchup, right? The Rams would be a scary matchup, but it might not be the Rams. It could be somebody else. Um, if they go to Dallas, like, that's not scary. We just saw those teams play to the bitter end. It wasn't all that great. And Dallas is another team that I don't have a lot of faith in. At this point, so it could just like Detroit. Could they go on a run? Yes, they could. They're not gonna, Jared Goff's not gonna have to play outdoors in the cold. Like, and and that's something that we all constantly talk about. They there is a path where they could just keep playing in the advantageous spots. Obviously, San Francisco's tough, but it's the NFL, crazy things happen. It's like the setup is not awful for the Lions as the three. Plus 850, I don't know if that's the best number, but I think there's value on the Lions still as well. It's a great point. Well, NFC. it's interesting. The Eagles are plus yeah. 550 to win the NFC, but the Lions are 9-1. to one. That feels like yeah. a misprice to me. Like, who Chiefs do you trust and Eagles. Right yeah. Yeah. Mispriced, I think. Last year's Super Bowl. Yeah. What is and it Rams. about the Eagles you trust right now? What? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. And, and you got to say the Rams. Wow, 30 to 1 for the NFC, 66 to 1 for the Super Bowl. That's a scary team. I, I I'm done, you know, dismissing Sean McVay. I'm done dismissing yeah. Matthew Stafford. Like I, I have to like adjust my priors there. This is BetQL Daily presented by Ben MGM. Coming up next, we go off the board right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Are you ready for the most... Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Happy New Year. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth with you. The band is back together for the first time in 2024. Just want to, you know, do a little quick check-in. Did everyone have a good New Year's? Anything exciting that went down? I saw Jake's Instagram. Not surprised that he got after it. 
<laughs> oh, he did all right. <laughs> Somebody has to around here. I know. Yeah, Mine right? was uneventful. Joe, I think you're muted. Yeah, it's going to keep happening. I don't. I'm Drink. trying to save you from the. Well, it's a different situation with me because I'm. Unless you want me to cough on air the entire time, I could do that if you want. Um, yeah, it's going to happen over the next couple of days. No, I was here yesterday, so nothing going on. Uh, I, I didn't go anywhere. I'm like, yeah, not not feeling great still. So yeah. nothing here. Old and boring. I went to a I went to a Wagyu uh, steak tasting uh, during Ooh. my New Year's festivities. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, just a little. Little tasting menu out in downtown LA. Uh, got the crew all together, and uh, yeah, I mean it was a bunch of food that I can't pronounce, uh, but you know all of it was sort of uh, grilled right in front of me, and then you know had these little sauces. And I wish so, I could tell you more than that, but I was it like what, a what, Brazilian what steakhouse kind of vibe where they just keep bringing you meat and then you start sweating with the card. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, not quite that bad. Uh, I mean, there were def- it was definitely a cutoff point, uh, but I mean, it, it definitely had the upscale style and feel to it. And what uh, was the best item? What was the best food item? Uh, I think we had like oxtail soup or this oxtail consomme, and because it was a little cold outside, like the soup really kind of slapped. So that was really good. Uh, but then I think we also had like uh, some beef tongue or wagyu tongue or something like that that was grilled in front of us, and it was unbelievable. Like re- really tender, uh, really flavorful, unbelievable. Hold on. It appears we do have some breaking news in the off-the-board segment. Jake yeah. got a text from Madison saying, Happy New Year! Come, Come on, on Jake. Dude. We're so we're desperate. Back. We're I back. can't with this girl. No, she's, well, she's Joe, a clown. When is know. the trip no. to Joe, Rhode you, Island? Joe, Joe, you did miss some breaking news. She moved. She's gone. She moved <laughs> to, to Rhode Island. Is it? What? So she's bored? So now she's hitting you up? Get out of my face, Madison. I'm done with you. <laughs> you got to cut this off. Like, seriously, Wait. block her number. She- Joe, okay, so remember when we got the update that she was, like, watching Game of Thrones and it was kind of, like, basically kind of seemed like thinking of you, but she didn't quite say it. We are now wondering, was that a last-ditch effort to try to see Jake before she moves? Or now, looking back, yeah, that's what I think, too. Yeah, oh, oh, Maddie, what are we going to do? Now try a long-distance relationship now that I've moved away? Let's get back. Get out of here. I'm done with her. Well, Jake loves the She's out. Run Old news, New York. No, I have questions. Stop. We haven't seen her in a while. Like, stop with these. A while, feelings. yes. Famously, have not seen her in a while. So, yes. Yeah, Did you, you were respond? Bar and you waitress. were hiding from her. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was at that bar last night. Actually, I was not hiding. First of all, I'd like to make that very clear. Was <laughs> not <sure>. hiding. <laughs> I was you, not. You weren't hiding. You said you booked it out of there. Are you kidding me? No, we did not book it out. No, of there. we left. Let's, left. Story changed. But right, right. Okay, you were did hiding. not book it out of there. Yes, you. Um, yeah, to answer Paul's like, question, I, yeah, I responded. I felt bad. I was just like. Same to you, like uh-huh. best wishes. Same like, to you. Did you, did you say <laughs> I well. you moved? Yeah. Likewise. Or you left that out? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not dig for any information. I just no, said, no, no. You know right. what's well, near? Just to to stir the pot a little bit. You know what's near New York? Rhode Island. Just putting yeah, that true. out there. Just Three just some, go on an East Coast tour. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> you're on a heater. Right. Famously, yes. 
2024 so, just as hot as 2023. We're just rolling over, yep. Yeah, right. You know, you're, you're downplaying this a little bit. What was the exact response? Like, oh, I felt bad. No, 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 no. I just, I just, I just like, yeah, like, I just said, like, Happy New Year to you, too. Like, hope things are good. No emojis. No. Hashtag say, that is. <laughs> That is basically the thumbs up liking a yeah. message, but in word it was, form. It was the thumbs up in word form, yeah. Like, did you wait nice. to respond, or was it immediate? Uh, I didn't see it until like 10 minutes after it was sent. But, I mean, yeah, within the same general time frame. Do you miss her a little? Yeah, just <laughs> down bad, Aaron. Absolutely fallen to my knees in despair. He said a little. He, she, the question was a little. A little FOMO? Her. FOMO, no. I'm not sure I'm missing anything in Rhode Island. I think I'm good on that. Uh, well, yeah, who but, moves to Rhode Island? Awesome. What was, what's behind that? There, uh, work? there There was some digging done uh, by the friend group. Apparently, she got a new job. So, Wait, that's usually, I would think. What, what's case. her profession? Oh, uh, Like environmental science stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think wow. That's actually a good place yeah, to do she's that. She's smart, Jay. Actually makes a lot of she's smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna need a sugar mama. <laughs> what does New York girl do? We gotta. We're not doing here. this. All right, that's are, are we right. Now, we're really <laughs> back in. Okay. We're really back in. We're not this doing is a this. Post, this. Resume is a comparison. <laughs> yes, a yeah, blind right. resume. <laughs> blind resume. This is after the Super Bowl. This is a segment. Listen, there, right. there's Absolutely. a theme on this show of the men marrying up. So we just need to, you know, the tradition to carry yeah. on here. We're looking out yeah, for yeah. you. Well, that's that. Yeah, yeah that's what the that. good thing about the hot streak is. We're keeping all our options open. Okay. Mm. All right. Cool. Good. Mm. All right. Yeah. Good talk. <sighs> Madison. Anytime Madison can come on the show, I'm all for it. All right. Who, so. who would have thought? Still in 2024, we're talking about Madison. Still two <laughs> years later. Man. You, oh, I, yeah. you. oh yeah, I would have played that. You. Oh yeah, Jake, we moved on from Madison, but you can't. Did we? So we did. Yeah, we... you're right. This, Joe, is, this is on me. On. So true. You're right, Joe. You're right. I'll be better going forward. Thank you. <laughs> I need the friend group to like figure out a way to get a call in to happen. I just putting that out there. We as sure the producer don't. of the show. We sure, I think we sure don't. Yeah. yeah. No, we sure don't need that. Com- combine Aaron's Instagram stalking skills with Paul's producing skills. This could happen. The odds aren't zero. Isaac Trotter. Yeah. Where are you, you, at? For- you forget who's in the studio with the phone though. So don't count Mario. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Cause like, we yeah, can't... cause Mario's yeah. Mario would be Mario's all not going to be able to touch bit. the phone. Yeah. Oh, Mario. Yeah, right. would be so <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, Get our get our phones here, put it on speaker, and then you know, see how we do here. Conference call. Or workarounds. Good luck. All right, let's switch gears. We got a betting story. We gotta get back to actual sports, unfortunately. Madison's getting kicked mm. to the curb in Rhode Island. But uh it turns <sighs> out that Shaq has a very unique betting interest. Every morning at ten AM, we wake up with thousands of dollars and we watch the Maury Povich show. And we make bets on who the father is. That that, that was my Andrew. You are not the yes, father. Every day thing. So like we watch wow. it, we let them talk, and then we pause, and then we pull that money. I'm, I bet you a thousand dollars the father. So that was my thing. I love it. That that would Dude, be fun. That's awesome. Um, that I that's awesome. love the story. 
So yeah. what unique things have you guys bet on? I know Joe, because you admittedly started betting when you were like three, right? So you right. probably bet yeah. on some. <laughs> I was, you know, Something I actually unique. did. I did have a flashback. You know, some t- there are certain players or certain events you bet on fairly early in your life that are that are memorable or maybe because you win like everything tied to a specific bet and it really got you involved every time they show they showed vince young in the sideline last night i kept thinking about that championship game because i was like all in on on that over and it was just an epic game like i kept thinking about that's when the juices are really flowing like i first started really getting into betting uh, when Vince Young won that game, uh, st- stuff to bet on, like D-Gen stuff. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, God, yeah, that's tough. And never like a TV show. Like, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. that's good. Like, just and a, paternity a, a, test stuff. Hilarious. Yeah. Like, yes. Already that show is drama, and now you add in, you put thousands of dollars on who's the father. I mean, it's brilliant. Yes. Like, that's yeah, it's, that's mm-hmm. that's like a first to 15 bet. It's immediate, too. It's an immediate mm-hmm. payoff. It's not like, say, you're watching a TV show like Survivor. You pick somebody who you think is going to win or, like, The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Like, people do that where they have their pools and they have their drafts, and it's just, you can play it out for a full year. It's like, this is going to be decided in the next 10 minutes. I I can't remember what the stakes were exactly, but I think one of the first things I ever bet on that wasn't sports related was the winner of the first season of Survivor. Just because I, I think the the group I ran with in high school, you know, was really into yes. the show. And then we fig and then I think I figured out like, okay, because you get down to three, you can't have the favorite person win. So they have to be knocked out right at that competition. And so I started figuring out all these different permutations. And so I got Galaxy Brain when I was in high school. And somehow I landed on Rich. And I was, you know, you really did? pushing for it. Yeah. And I got it right. And I think wow. that's probably how wow. my ideas of probability started to develop because I could figure out the game theory. And I mean, I can't remember what I won, but it was nice to have it at the time. Mine was kind of around the same time as Joe. I remember betting on Carmelo Anthony and Syracuse to win it all. Yes. Yeah. Me too. First Me time. Too. Yes. That, yeah. was, <laughs> that was one of my early hits. What, they were uh-huh. yeah, same. One, right? I was like, yes. Because, no, yeah, exactly. They weren't favorites. That's for sure. No. Um, so I was happy about that. That's when I really was like, okay, this is fun. I'm an intern. I'm broke. Like, give me the money. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, and the fact that we're playing Texas in that final four, like, and I was living in Dallas at the time, everybody was on the Longhorns. And I was the one, again, it goes back to game theory. I'm like, no guys, I like Carmelo Anthony. I think they've got something there with that two, three zone. And sure enough, like it also taught me the lesson on, you know, geography and when to place bets and where to place bets, things like that. If you're going up against like home field and a bunch of hometown fans, you might actually get a better number that way. I'll tell you what I haven't done that I do want to do. And I I think we did it on the show last year, just a a show version with the uh, NFL playoffs almost here, a Calcutta. Like, I remember my dad doing oh, one, yeah. and I, I, yeah, I, I, before their first Super Bowl win, I was like, "Dad, whatever you do, buy the Cowboys, get the Cowboys." He came back, he got the Cowboys. Like I also remember that. Like, oh man, nice. it's those early betting moments, memories. 
This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Michael Felder is coming up to help us preview the national championship game between Michigan and Washington right here on the BetQL Network.